We're going to jump right into the Word this morning. We're continuing our series on the armor of God. If you've missed any of those, you can go to our website and kind of get caught up. Each week has been incredible and just kind of unfolded a new aspect of the armor of God that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to jump into that again this morning, and let's just get right to it. Let's get to it. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13, says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. All right, so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is the helmet of salvation. And I just, as we prepare to discuss the helmet of salvation, I just want us all together to really just be committed to this time because this is, a, this is an awesome message uh, not because of anything that I'm going to say, but just because of what it means and what the Bible says about salvation. And so, you know, if you're, if you're on the app or whatever, and you're, or you're reading on your phone, that's great, that's fine. But just, you know, let's, let's make sure we don't wander, you know, to something else, because I believe what God has to say to us all this morning is very important. And so can we just agree together to just give the Lord right now our complete undivided attention. For those watching at home, you know, all the distractions of the home that might bring, just focus in. Let's all focus in on what God is going to share with us this morning, because I believe it is going to be very good. Amen? Amen. Taking on the helmet of salvation. All right. So when, when I think of helmets, I have a few images that come to mind, and we're going to discuss, discuss those first. And the first one is this. Go ahead, Miss Helen. Show them the first image that comes to mind. When I think of helmet, right, it is the Jaguar's helmet. And I have to admit, full disclosure, when I planned on sharing about the Jaguar's helmet, I did not anticipate a former Jaguar to be in attendance with us this morning. It was about eight times my size, uh, but uh, I'm going to say it anyway. I love you, Kyle. <laughs> the, helmet, the Jaguar's helmet. I love the Jaguar's. And if you've ever heard me uh, preach, chances are, it's funny because when I don't preach, Jason does. And he loves them more than I do. So you're just not going get, to get away from these metaphors, all right? It's just, it is what it is at Beach's Chapel. But when I think about a helmet, I think about the Jaguar's helmet. But it is not a helmet of salvation. A lot of times it's a helmet of heartache, and hurt, and tears. I call this helmet the helmet of false hope. Because every year, I'm trying not to make eye contact in the back. I, at the end of every season, I'm going, oh, they're going to be terrible next year. They're going to be terrible. Oh, why did I think they were going to be any good this year? And then right around this time, I'm thinking, we might make the playoffs. <laughs> Nothing really has changed, but my hope is different. You know, hey, Super Bowl, that seems kind of feasible right about now as we sit in mid-July. And then the season rolls around, and that false hope <laughs> begins to reappear, and I'm let down, right? Except for few seasons here and there. But you know, that's for me. That's, that's the helmet of false hope for me. But that helmet can look different for all sorts of people and all sorts of different situations. That new car, when I get that, wooey, things are going to change for me. When I get that new job or that new promotion, and we put on these helmets of false hope 
that once we wear them, we realize this isn't really doing it for me. And we're putting, because we're putting our hope into the wrong thing, right? We're not putting on the helmet of salvation. We're putting on the helmet of something else entirely. And so this is the helmet of false hope. There's another helmet that I think of when I think about helmets. And it's this one right here, the next one, right? Anyone? Okay. Gladiator. I know there might be some youngins in here that don't know what this movie is. When you see this picture, you have no idea what that means. And we're going to pray for you after the service as well. I teach 10th grade Bible here at the school. And, you know, every year I, I, I try and come up with these cool like, analogies to relate to them, you know, because I'm still cool and hip and, uh, and all that stuff. And this year I said, okay, who's, who's all seen uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers? And it was crickets. It's like, what is a Lord of a Ring? You know, and I, like started weeping. Like, are you serious? And they didn't ever, never seen this either. But when I think of cool looking helmets, like it's hard to beat this helmet right here. But I call this helmet... The helmet of false appearance or of appearances. The helmet of appearances. Why? Because a gladiator back in the day would go in and it wasn't to try and save his life or fight. It was to die. You know, in the movie, if you've seen it, hopefully most of us have, the animals, the, the, like tigers and all those in, in the cage, they're on chains. Well, back in the day in the real deal, there were no chains. They were going in there to die. And so when we put on this helmet of appearance, it looks like we're tough. It looks like we're ready for a fight. But really, we are going into a battle that we were never going to be able to win on our own. Period. It was designed for us to die. And the thing about the gladiators, then they knew what they were going into. They knew it. So on the outside, the appearance says, I got everything under control. I look the part. I look tough. I look mean. But on the inside, where no one can see, we're saying, I'm going to die. I don't have this. This is too much for me. But we wear that helmet of appearance that makes it look like we got everything under control and that we're up for the task. So we have the helmet of false hope, the helmet of appearance, and then lastly, we have this third helmet, right? The helmet of all helmets, the helmet of all helmets. Now, this helmet actually, I think, relates, we can relate more to than any other one. Because this helmet, is, once you believe in Jesus and you receive him as your savior, this, this is kind of what happens. You know, Darth Vader resonates with all of us because of the, the life journey that he takes, right? He's on the dark side, but there's good in him. And so he abandons the darkness dark side, and he takes that helmet off, and that is no longer who he is. And that's a lot of how we are. We have this former life, and we wore this helmet that's, that symbolizes darkness and evil, and sin. But then we meet Jesus, and that helmet comes off, and it represents who we were. But that's the problem with this helmet. Even though it symbolizes, in my opinion, something good, all it is is the helmet of the past, a helmet of who we used to be. And what we need to understand about salvation is, yes, 100%, it saves us from who we were, but that is not the end. Salvation is, is, saves us from who we were. All right, there's, there's three parts to salvation. Let's go ahead and throw it out there. All right, 
The first is when we are saved and we accept Jesus. We are, that, is, that is justification, right? We are now reconciled to God and we have a right relationship with God. Our, the old is gone, right? We're born again. We are a new creation. We are justified in the eyes of God. And then there's the glorification part of salvation, which is when we go to heaven and it's in all this stuff that we're dealing with now is over. We're saved from hell and we're in heaven. We are glorified with God in heaven. But then there's that middle part that we forget about. And that's the sanctification. That's where salvation is every single day in our lives. And what we're going to discover this morning, or at least be reminded of, is that salvation is not a one-time thing. It is every single day of our lives we experience salvation. And so what Paul is writing about when he's talking about this helmet of salvation, these other helmets can't hold a candle to. It far exceeds any other helmet that we could ever put on. And so if that is true, I want to ask us all a question this morning. And look, when I, when I ask these questions, it's not to, to pick on us or anything like that. It's because in these moments when we're looking in the Word and we're peeling back all the layers and we're talking about our walk with the Lord, we need to be aware of where we stand in our walk with the Lord. We need to have some introspection, right, and self-awareness. The class I'm taking right now, someone posted in our discussion forum that a lack of self-awareness is a sign of spiritual immaturity. I thought, man, that is right on. Because if we're not willing to look at ourselves and look in and see where we need to work, all we're really doing is looking at everyone else and saying, you need to change, you need to change, you need to change, you need to change. But we're never looking at ourselves and saying, how do I need to change? And we need to change. We need to grow. We need to be sanctified. And so when I ask these questions, that's what it's all about. We're looking in ourselves and examining our own hearts. And so the question is this. If the helmet of salvation is so awesome and so powerful, I want to ask you this. What does your salvation mean to you? What value do you place on your salvation? It's kind of an interesting question, right? Because it's what everything is based on, our, our whole life from our old life, when, we, when we're saved and we accept Jesus, we're a new creation. And a lot of times, we don't even think about it. We don't even consider what that actually means. And I'll be honest with you, there's times when, I, when I'm in the passenger seat and my, my ride with the Lord, I got salvation in the back seat. And who's driving is, we, is, is fear, worry, anxiety, stress, confusion, unrest, and I'm not even thinking about salvation. It's just in the back seat somewhere. And I hope that's not the same for all of us in here. And that needs to change if it is for myself and everybody else. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer to that question. Salvation is everything. It is everything. Our salvation and what Jesus did on the cross for us is everything. Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Not when we got our act together, not when we figured it all out, not when we started tithing and coming to church every Sunday, but while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. What does that say about you? And what does that say about me that God thinks so much of us that when we were in our darkest moments, when we were living that life, 
that most people don't know about still, that we're ashamed to talk of still, God saw us and he said, I love you so much that I'm going to send my son to die for you in that moment. It was in those moments that he saw us and made that decision. Not in our best moments. It was in our worst moments. While we were still sinners, God looked at us and said, I love you. And I'm going to send my son to die for you. And it's going to be a painful death where they're going to whip him. And chunks of his flesh are going to come flying off of his back. He's going to pass out from the pain. And they're going to wait for him to wake up before they continue on. And then when they're done with that, when they beat him to an inch of his life, then they're going to hang him on a cross. And he's going to be in such pain that when the wind blows, it's in shocks of, of violent electricity throughout his body. And Jesus is going to stay there so that you can be saved. What else is there that we need to know? That is everything. And let me say this to those in here this morning that are feeling alone. If God did all that for you and you've received him, he is all you need. And I'm not just saying that like it's a cliche because I believe there's some that really feel alone or maybe even attacked or when you're looking at people in your life, let me tell you something. All you need is the creator of the universe on your side. No one else can measure up to that and know that you have him fighting for you. Because if he, if he sent his son to die for you, if he sent his son to die for you, if he thinks that much of you, which he does, he's not going to leave you now. He's not going to leave you now. It's all that matters. It's not, look, it's not just being a Christian. Salvation is, is being God's child. It's so, it's so big. And, and, and I, I, as I was going over my notes, I was like, God, I don't have the words. I don't have the words to articulate the gravity of our salvation and what it really means. But it is everything. What it does, what I love about salvation, is when we consider what it means to us, we start to gain value for ourselves. Because that's what salvation does. It gives us value for ourselves. Because you can't understand salvation and also beat yourself up. Because if you do, then you don't really get salvation. Because salvation says that you're worth something. That you're worth God's son's death. So it gives you value. You have value. You are valuable. Not just a little bit, but a lot. You are valuable to God. Continuing on in Romans 5, in verse 10, it says, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. So you see that? We were saved, but then how much more will we be saved? What do you mean? I was already saved. Yeah, that's true. You were saved. But in his life, remember, because Jesus didn't just die on the cross, he was raised from the dead, and he is living and he is alive. So how much more then is what, think about that, how much more 
will you be saved through his life. What does that say? Let's say that salvation is every single day. And the things that you're going through today, God will save you through them. And what you go through tomorrow, God will save you because salvation is a lifelong process. It is not a one-time commitment. We are changed in that moment. We are a new creation in that moment, but it doesn't end. There is so much more. How much more? In Jesus' life will we be saved? That, that scripture, that verse blows me away. Wait, there's more than just his death and resurrection? Yes. Because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us now. He is alive now. And he wants to walk with you now. How much more will he save you now? The best is indeed yet to come. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Okay, I'm going to read that again. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. It's a lot in there. A lot of good stuff in those few verses. But I want to just pinpoint a few of them. The first one, Paul says that we are not in darkness. Once we receive Jesus, we are God's children and we are no longer in darkness. We are in light. We're in light. Once we receive Jesus, we are adopted in, we are God's children. And we are no longer in darkness. Well, James, why do I feel like I'm in darkness all the time? I'll tell you why. Because you took off the helmet of salvation. You took it off. Because the helmet, consider where it is on our body. It's on our head. So what does it protect? Our brain protects our brain. And when we take the helmet of salvation off, that tells us that not only are we not in darkness, but we are God's children and we are being saved every day. When we take that off and we put whatever else on, we allow these thoughts that are not of salvation and not of God to come into our mind and they travel to our heart and they take root and they start to affect our feelings and how we go about our day. I, I, I read this devotional a couple days ago and it was awesome and floored me as Bob Gass worded for today. And he said, actually, let me read it because I don't want to get it wrong exactly. If I can find it. It says, we don't have more problems than other people. We just think about them more. Uh. I didn't say it, all right? I'm just reading it. But it's true. 
Listen, I'm going to say this in love. I really am. But you ain't special. All right? In terms of the troubles in your life, we all got them. The just and the unjust. The righteous and not the righteous. All of us. The difference is some walk around with a helmet of whatever on their head and others walk with the helmet of salvation. We all have problems. Some just think about it more than others. And when that happens, it's because you're not wearing the helmet of salvation. We went on a little mini vacation this week, Jesse and the girls and I, and we were talking like, man, it'd be awesome to just be a kid right now in the world. Because kids aren't watching the news. They don't know what's going on. They're jumping in the waves in the ocean and swimming in the pool and apparently not playing Minecraft uh, all the time. Live a long day. Thank you, Rachel, for that. Yeah. <laughs> Having a good time because they're just trusting in their parents to take care of everything. It's real simple. Mom and dad got it. We are God's children. Don't you think he's got it? Don't you think so? Are you walking in it? Are you wearing it on your head? Because the helmet of salvation says that we are God's children and that he paid a high price for you. And yes, troubles may come, but he has overcome every one of them. He is our champion. And I don't say all that other stuff to diminish or trivialize what you are going through. I'm just saying, don't dwell on it because we all have problems. You take those troubles and you say, here, God, here, Father, I'm giving it to you. As, as a child of God, I'm giving those things to you. And I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. And I'm going to be reminded that I don't live in darkness. I don't live in darkness. I live in the light. And the light says that you got it. The light says that you got it. Next thing it says is, let us be awake and sober. Sober here does not mean humorless or just kind of like just monotone all the time. Because Paul wrote this. Paul was not monotone. Paul was passionate. He was full of all sorts of vigor and all that, all that good stuff. So it's not talking about just being level and plain. But here's what, the, what I found sober to mean. Listen to this. It means to know the proper value of things. And therefore, don't, you don't get too excited about the things of this world. So when we're, when we're talking about being sober and we're talking about salvation, it means understanding the value of salvation and placing it where it needs to be placed, which is at the very top. Our salvation needs to be at the very top and everything else flows down from that. Because if, we're, if we put value in our salvation, then all the things of the world don't really matter so much. And not just the negative things, but the things that we chase after in terms of just worldly goods. They just don't mean so much. All those things that rust and rot, they don't mean so much because our value, because we're being sober-minded, is in our salvation and that glorification that is to come. So when he says be sober-minded, it's look, don't lose, don't lose sight of what is most important. Salvation. You know, I'm, I'm going to go full dork this morning on y'all. I've already talked about Star Wars and, and all this other stuff, but uh, there's another person in that realm that wears a helmet, and his name is Magneto. 
Anyone know Magneto in here? Okay, we got a few. Magneto's an X-Men character, and he would wear a helmet. And the reason why is because his nemesis, Dr. Xavier, right? Is that his name? I haven't watched him in a while. If he took that helmet off, Xavier could get in his mind and start to control his thoughts. But the second that he put that helmet on, he couldn't get in. And when to be sober-minded, we have to keep that helmet on of salvation that protects our thoughts. How do we do that? Well, when those negative thoughts come in, those things that we know are not of the Lord. Look, we know. You know when they're not of the Lord. You shoo them away. You say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to believe that. And you might have to do it over and over. You know what's funny is a positive person doesn't become positive overnight, and a negative person doesn't become negative overnight. It's a learned behavior. And so to put on that helmet of salvation is something we have to learn. It has to become habitual all the time, every day. Sometimes it's the same thought that we have to ward off every single day, multiple times a day. But you do it. You do it over and over. Don't forget the things that God has done for you too. It's another way to be sober-minded. Third thing that this verse says is the hope of salvation. I love that. This is um, one, one of Satan's most effective weapons against us is discouragement. The helmet of salvation protects us against discouragement, against the desire to give up, giving us hope, not only in knowing that we are saved, but that we will be saved. It is the assurance that God will triumph. When we are properly equipped with the helmet of salvation, it's hard to stay discouraged. Salvation is a hope, and it's not like, you know, we're crossing our fingers and just closing our eyes and wishing something. Hope in the Bible is about confidence. It's about your chest out and your head up high, saying, I'm a child of God, and God's got this. Salvation brings hope, and it combats discouragement. So if that's you, if you're walking in complete discouragement, put on the helmet of salvation that says, I am a child of God, and Jesus died for me because he loves me and he's not going to leave me out to dry now. That is the truth. There is the hope of salvation. And it is, I know I'm repeating myself this morning, but we gotta hear it. It is an everyday thing. It is an everyday salvation. So what are you facing? What are you facing today? Are you wearing your helmet of salvation? Where is your value? What is in the midst of what you are walking through right now? What does salvation mean in that, in that moment, in that circumstance? What does your salvation mean to you? Honestly, what does it mean? Are you even considering it? Or have we forgotten about it altogether and we're just trying to do it all on our own, putting on all sorts of other helmets? Last thing that uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 touches on, whether we are awake or asleep, and that's what we're talking about. It's not just when we die, salvation kicks in and we go to heaven. Whether we are awake or asleep, dead or alive, Jesus, we live together with him every single day. What more is there? I ask again, what more is there than that? Where do you value your salvation? What does it mean to you every single day? The Lexham Theological Wordbrook defines salvation as this. So salvation is the rescue from a state of danger. And, everybody say and. And the restoration to wholeness and prosperity. Okay? 
It's not a one-time thing. Priscilla Shire says this, in the Bible, when the word saved is used, even in referencing one nation being saved from foreign enemies, it doesn't just involve them escaping death, but also entering into a state of health, wholeness, victory, and safety. Salvation is a two-parter. It rescues us from where we are and leads us to something greater. I thought about an example for this, and besides Jesus on the cross, the other example that, I, that came to mind was the Israelites in Egypt. It's a perfect example of what salvation really means. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt, crying out to God in bondage, being worked hard to the bone. And they're crying out to God daily, and God hears their cry. And he sends Moses and Aaron to meet with the Pharaoh. And ultimately, 10 plagues come on all of Egypt, and he rescues the Israelites from slavery. And they march, and they're at the Red Sea, and Moses with, through, you know, puts the staff down, and God parts the Red Sea, and all the Israelites walk on dry ground. And here come the Egyptian army, right, with Pharaoh with them, and they're bearing down on them. And as the last Israelite steps foot on the opposite shore, God closes up the Red Sea, and swallows up the Egyptian army and the Pharaoh, and kills them all. And so they're on the other side, the Egyptian army is dead, and God leaves the Israelites on their own. Wait, that's not what happens. He leads them in the wilderness to where? The promised land. But here's what we need to understand. In that time of salvation, as he rescues them from Egypt, and he leads them salvation, leading them to the promised land, there's those 40 years. And salvation in those 40 years wasn't a place flowing with milk and honey. It was manna every day that just came down from the sky and they had to eat it every day. But it was a provision. And sometimes salvation for us looks a lot more like manna from heaven than it does milk and honey. We want the milk and honey. All right, we, we want that good-tasting stuff. A lot of times God just says, here, I'm going to sustain you with this. I'm going to give you this. And I'm going to teach you to be satisfied with this. Yeah, but God, I want this. This is what I'm giving you today. And we'll get there. But in the meantime, I'm going to do a work in you while you take this manna. I'm going to teach you what the helmet of salvation is all about. As my child, I'm going to provide for you. It might not be the way that you like it, but in the midst of it, I'm doing a work in you. It says in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It goes on in verse 11. For I have learned, this is Paul writing, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. 
Paul understood it's not about our circumstances. It's not about whether we have a lot or a little. Because a lot of times the people that have a lot want more than any, the people that have little. They're like, I need more. So if we base our salvation on our circumstances, we're going to have a rough road. But Paul learned by having that helmet of salvation on every day that told him, I'm for you. I got you. I've got you covered. It didn't matter anymore what he had. It didn't matter if he was having steak or manna. It didn't matter if he was drinking out of a gold goblet or a paper cup. God loved him. And that's all that mattered to him. From the band, come on up. And I want to give all of us in here an opportunity to just reflect on our salvation and what it means to us. And I specifically want to give those in this room that may have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior an opportunity to do so because it is everything. Remember that verse in Romans 5, 8 that says, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. It's not about getting your act together. It's not about trying to be this awesome person and, and then God, then just let me get my life straightened out and then I'll come and I'll be saved. It's gonna be a long time. God saw us and he said, no, let me take care of this because I don't want you living in darkness anymore. I don't want you putting on all these other helmets that, that all fall short. I want you to wear the helmet of salvation that tells you that you are my child and I've got you covered. And you don't need to worry about what's going on in the world. All you need to do is focus on me. So where we're at right now, why don't we all just bow our heads? And I'm gonna pray a prayer for those that are watching online or in this room, give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to wear that helmet of salvation. For those of us in here that have prayed that prayer before, whether it was yesterday or 50 years ago, pray it with me as well. Because I believe that Jesus never gets tired of us praying this prayer. Just like if you have children, you never get tired of them telling you that they love you. That's what this prayer is all about. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart and to be Lord of my life. Thank you for your sacrifice and for saving me every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand up as we take communion this morning? Jesus says to take communion in remembrance of him, which again is a tricky thing because you remember something that was done. But when it comes to Jesus, we're remembering what he did and is doing and is going to do. So we're remembering the past, we're recognizing the present, and we're expecting in the future. 
That's what we're doing. We're putting on the helmet of salvation this morning and we're trusting that God has whatever you're walking through. Put on that helmet this morning and believe God's words. Otherwise, what are we even doing? Let's, let's reassess our value of salvation and put it at the top and let everything else flow down from there. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that as great as your sacrifice was in rescuing us from our own sin, Lord, what's even greater is that it wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't a decision that we made on that, that one night or that one church service or even this very moment, just a couple minutes ago. But it is an ongoing thing. You save us every day. How much more will we be saved in your life? No longer in darkness, no longer with false hope, no longer having to appear a certain way, God. Your word says it, that we are your children. And you paid the price to make that so. Not because of anything we did, but while we were still sinners, you died for us. You showed us your love. You showed us how much we mean to you. You showed us our value as your children. There's nothing greater than that. And Father, this morning, God, I, I pray, Jesus, for those watching and those here that have been beating themselves up, feeling like they don't have value, feeling depressed, suicidal, alone. God, break that in Jesus' name. Break it, Father. And let them know, God, that you see them and you saw them and you died for them. And you're going to save them in the situation they're in now. God, I pray against those attacks of the enemy. God, for anyone, God, anyone, Lord, that would ever consider taking their life, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would break that power over them right now. God, for those that are battling depression, in Jesus' name, break it and let your love flood their minds and their hearts. If they would hear this message, as they receive you, God, and they receive what you have to say to them, God, that you would, God, that you would kick out the darkness and you would bring in light in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the, your body that was broken that makes all of this possible. The sacrifice that you made, Lord, being beaten and hung on a cross and saved us, Lord, and it is still saving us. It's, it's something that the enemy is never going to be able to overcome, ever. It trumps it all. God, we take the bread right now and say thank you for the sacrifice. Father, we thank you for your blood that was shed. When we walk and we stumble and we mess up, and in our own frustration, we take off the helmet of salvation and we allow thoughts that say we're nothing and we're losers and we're never going to be able to overcome this sin in our life. Your blood takes care of it, Father. And it makes us new every single day because we're your children. 
and you clean us off when we're dirty and messy. As God, our Father, you take that blood that was shed and you clean us off and you make us brand new every single day. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your blood. The only thing that could make us clean. And while we were still sinners, you shed your blood for us. God, all we can say is thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to enter back into worship now. If you can, we're going to have some uh, places you can you can toss the cups on your way out or even up the aisle. I believe uh, some of our deacons are going to come up and just put them in the basket. We're going to worship. I just want you to consider as we enter back in your worth and what salvation really means to you. And let's start putting the things that we're walking through, whatever that they might be, and let's start putting them in the light of our salvation and see where they compare and see how they measure up to what God thinks of us. If you need to just take a moment wherever you're at, you can sit down, close your eyes, whatever it might be, just get with the Lord and just let him speak to you in this moment as we close our service this morning. We're going to have Pastor Luis come up in just a minute. He's going to close us out. But let's just take another moment and just worship and consider what God has done for us. Amen. Amen.